0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the
2: stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. I don't do fake love, but I'll take
1: some from you tonight. Take so you tonight. I know I've got to. But I might just miss the flight
3: Not a particularly romantic song for Valentine's Day, quite thrashy, Logan Swinkle, so I guess that says a lot about your love life, uh, pretty thrashy. Um,
4: well, I'm very happily married with a gorgeous two-year-old daughter, but thanks. You definitely
3: are, you definitely are. It's uh, very interesting, bogan music for um, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day, and for Smithy, whose um, property's taken a bit of a bashing overnight, um, so... We are thinking of you, Smithy, and uh, everybody else. I just wanted to kick off just to say that um, people are affected and people's friends and families are affected and uh, I know Kimpi's just jumped in his car and he's going back up to Muriwai to help out the people and so the sad news about the volunteer firefighters who um, have been caught up in a slip, which it's it's carnage out there, isn't it? And it's... We thought it was going to be Northland, a bit of Auckland, a bit of Coromandel but it's found its way down to Hawke's Bay, it's been unrelenting and just driving into work today along the, the normal route I do and there were trees that I didn't know were there before and it just looks like it's been in a brawl, it looks like Auckland's been in a brawl overnight. It's not that pretty. So anybody out there affected, um, we are thinking of you of course and um, as per I know the people that aren't affected I will send you their best wishes and you're welcome to do that through here. Double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine. Um, so yeah, big show, big show and I've come off the bench so a big thank you to Logan and Brian for putting this together. I was asleep when uh, I was messaged to say, can you do Smithy's show? Um, so here we are, but uh, big shift by... Logan and Brian. Today we're going to talk to Storm Purva. She is hosting uh, the Halbergs. It is live on Sky Sport tomorrow night at 8 o'clock and Storm will be joined by Carl Tenana and um, to bring you that tomorrow night also going to be talking uh, cricket with Amy Satterthwaite, um, she's probably regretting saying she'll be talking to us today but after that performance which we will pick through shortly uh, Super Bowl recap probably with Shiraz Soysa, uh, of course Kansas City beating Philadelphia Sam Manson the winner of Coast to Coast will be joining the show as well and always welcome your uh, interactions either on the text machine or the phone 0800 Um so we are going to just about talk to Storm Purvis very shortly. Um, but the Helbergs, that has sprung up out of nowhere. It has absolutely sprung out of nowhere. But we do celebrate it from rugby fields, golf courses, race tracks. Of course, we've had the Winter Olympics, the Commonwealth Games. Um, but it's where those feats get recognised again one more time as the sporting codes come together for a night. It is an absolute night of glitz and glamour. All in the name of the best to wear the black singlet, and that was Samari Halberg. So now joining us is one of the hosts of the big gig tomorrow night, former Silver Fern Storm Purvis. G'day, Storm.
5: Good morning, Steffi.
3: How are you? I'm all right. You, you're absolutely named for what's going on at the moment. There are people turning to yeah, you for advice? Right?
5: If I had a dollar for every time someone made that joke, I'd be a rich, rich woman, I tell you. Okay,
3: I'll send you a dollar. I'll send you a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it so? You must be really looking forward to this because this is one of the most watched New Zealand TV shows of the year.
5: I kind of go between really looking forward to it and being super excited and nervous. And I've got this kind of severe case of imposter syndrome at the moment, like even hearing you read that intro. Host of the Hellberg Storm, it's like, what the hell, what were they thinking? Uh, time will tell how it goes. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But no, I am excited. It's obviously a huge, huge event for New Zealand sport. Um, and being, you know, such a big fan of our, our sporting scene here in Aotearoa, I'm, I'm absolutely honoured to be hosting. But yes, the nerves are real. Yeah.
3: You're an international netballer, of course. You've been able to transition into a commentator. You're a presenter for Sky, Crow Goes Wild. You've been doing it about five or so years now. Um, what's that road of development been like for you?
5: you no, know, I I consider myself pretty lucky um, that the timing all worked out and the stars kind of aligned in a way that as I was thinking about retiring, um, an opportunity came up with Crow Goes Wild and I just kind of had to run with it. Uh, So I had a very kind of slow transitional retirement where I retired you know, from international netball while still playing domestic and having time to do work alongside that. And so I was kind of working at Crowd for a couple of seasons while I was still playing. And then once I fully retired, just more jobs kind of popped up as I became more available. And um, I just kind of had to run with it. So a lot of faking it till you make it. That was the beauty of Crowd Goes Wild. Everyone Mm. has to chip in and do everything. We're all editors, reporters producers, writers, um, presenters, so you get a chance to have a feel of everything and really learn on the job. So I've definitely been lucky that that was the role I stumbled into during my retirement. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of running with it, to be honest. So far, so good. I can't believe it's been five years. It's crazy to hear out loud as well. But um, yeah, I've, I've definitely been very lucky.
3: Yeah, and holding a microphone standing in front of a camera is a lot easier on your knees than playing netball, isn't it?
5: Oh, exactly. They've actually just taken our chairs away from us on Cargo's Wild, so we're now standing, and I, I'm not super stoked about that. I would like the chairs back, uh, but for now, while I'm still under the age of 30, I probably can't complain too much.
3: Now, before <laughs> I ask you these questions, I have to make sure, in all honesty, you don't know who's winning any of the categories or in or the Supreme or anything at this stage, do you?
5: At this stage, I do not. Okay. I'm really hoping I know by tomorrow morning. <laughs> just kinda, make it all a bit easier, but yes, where are my life at this stage? I have no idea.
3: I'm just looking, like you cover sport as I do all day, every day, just a couple of the categories, like Sportswoman of the Year, Elise Andrews cycling in the track, uh, Dame Lisa Carrington, Lydia Ko, Ruhae Demant, and Zoe sadowski synod. How on earth can you pick one of those?
5: That I think is going to be the kind of biggest award of the night for me. Uh, because, you know, you just read out all those names and you go, oh, yeah, she could win. Oh, no, but what about her? Oh, my God, and we can't forget her. So uh, that one's going to be really, really tough. Um, My, I I mean, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say who I want to win, but I'm going to anyway. I would really love to to see Zoe take it out. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think she is 100% on top of her sport, on top of her game, uh, undisputedly, you know, she's just been incredible for a while now and it would just be great to see a sport like snow sport be uh, recognised at that at that higher level. Um, in saying that, I wouldn't be mad if anyone else took it out. I think they're all incredibly worthy um, nominees and that one's going to be a tough one.
3: Likewise the sportsmen, another snow sporter of course, Nico Porteus is in there but Shane Van Gisbergen is irrepressible in motorsport, Paul Cole sensational, Dylan Schmidt uh, a gymnastics trampolinist the, the like we haven't seen from New Zealand before and Aaron Gate who was out the gate at the Commonwealth Games, another really tough category. Yeah, I like what you did there.
5: Uh, you know, what, what sings out to me when, when you read those is the, the variety of sport we're seeing. And the same with sportswomen as well. But, you know, squash, motorsport, snow sport. It's just, it's so freaking cool um, that we're seeing this huge variety and these different sports shining through. Um, again, such a tough one. Such a tough one. To me, obviously being in Birmingham and, and interviewing Aaron Gate after his, Four. Mm. gold medals over there, that, that for me is going to be a tough one to beat um, and he's just such a great guy and yeah, the fact that he was able to get gold in the track and, and on the road is just pretty incredible and um, yeah, again, they're all worthy and I'm being very PC, anyone could take it, Paul Cole's a legend, God he can't go past the Superman <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one
3: Maybe an easier one is the team of the year with the Blackferns Ferns in there having won the World Cup and I'm not pooing uh, the rest of them, which are Joelle King and Amanda Landis-Murphy in the women's double squash, Joelle King again and Paul Cole in the mixed doubles, Kerry Williams, Grace Prendergast with the rowing pair and the New Zealand eventing team but again, not decrying what they've achieved, but the Black Ferns rugby team, gosh, team of the year surely.
5: Really, really hard one for anyone else to take out, you would think. Um, you know, that campaign, that, that win, everything about that team captivated the nation and, you know, the rugby world for quite a while there. And um, when you think back to 2022, surely that's one of the sporting moments of the year that just grabs you the most. Uh, so that's going to be a really tough one for anyone else to take out. The New Zealand eventing team, I mean, uh, Tim Price, he's, you know, up there, world number one eventer. Uh, recently, which is just incredible in a sport. Um, you know, people coming from New Zealand where it's just dominated by European countries, so I think that's an incredible achievement as well. But, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right, Sammy. I, I can't really see anyone else other than the Black Blacksons taking it out. And
3: I think there would be a public outcry if they didn't. They sure would. Uh, Coach of the Year is an interesting one as well. Craig Palmer, who's the men's track cycling coach who just had an unbelievable season. Gordon Walker, he's the perennial nominee and has won it countless times. Of course, Lisa and the kayak team's coach. Sean Thompson, snow sport. He's going to go close. Tommy Pyatt from snow sport, free skiing. And then there's the name of Wayne the Professor Smith. And when you think about, I'm probably more au fait with his achievement taking a team for, from where they were to where he got them in the space of a matter of months. That was a phenomenal coaching performance as well.
5: Oh, it's a Cinderella story really, isn't it? And and we heard the way that the girls talked about Wayne Smith, the professor, um, countlessly. You know, he was just brought up all the time and what he was able to do with the team and, and the culture and create that environment that really allowed each and every one of them to excel. And, you know, coaching individuals is, is incredible and, you know, I think Sean Thompson could be up there with a shout to Zoe's coach but you know, to coach a team of 30 odd athletes and, and have every single one of them speak so highly about you and achieve what they did in such an important pinnacle event in their sport um, it's going to be hard to go past Wayne Smith for sure
3: Emerging talent um, there's, some, there's some names some people won't know here, Cameron Gray from Swimming, uh, Gustav Legnaviski something like that, <laughs> sorry Gustav <laughs> uh, Jenna Hastings who's a downhill mountain biker, Joshua Wilmer from the swimming tower Tara Vaughan sprint kayak, what do you know about these these emerging Kiwi athletes? Well Gustav uh, you
5: know the half type scare, he's a little legend and he's, he's super <laughs> young, 15 or 16 I think um, but he just had a standout year last year, and he's, he's a really cool dude, and, and someone the snow sport community is housing as, you know, the next Nico, if not, could one day be better than Nico, um, just with what he's achieving at the moment and, and his levels of fearlessness, just to go out there and do it. Uh, Cameron Gray had that surprise bronze in the 50-meter freestyle or butterfly, I can't remember, um, in, in Birmingham, and he's another young one who just seems to have all the goods And, and, you know, training well and really bursting out into the swimming scene. And and we haven't um, been blessed with too many sprint swimmers in New Zealand for a while. So it's great to see him grow. But for me, I can't go past Jenna Hastings. Um, I'm a little bit biased towards the mountain biking community because I I love it myself. But, uh, you know, she won the World Downhill Junior Champs uh, and in an emerging talent category to, to win that you're just showing that you are emerging and you're one to look out for and um the mountain bike community in New Zealand is incredible and it's growing so much and I've actually just been down and at uh Kadrona at the trails down there over the weekend talking to the community and watching them compete in a fox hunt event and um it's just buzzing and, and Jenna was there and you know everyone's talking her up and She's a, she's a really cool chick and I just think she's one to keep an eye out for and um, she would be my pick of the emerging talent
3: nominees. I, I seem to say this every year at the Halbergs, like it's hard enough to pick the categories and then you have the supreme winner. It's, we're so lucky to have so high performers that it's not self-selecting but that is going to be a really tricky one to choose.
5: It absolutely is. I mean, it always is, isn't it? Well, there are the odd years where there's the stand out, I guess. But uh, this year in particular, I think it's going to sort of come down to who wins in each of the categories, mm. firstly. Um, but, uh, again, I just feel like most people will be expecting the Black Ferns to take it out, I think. Um, but, look, anything can happen on the night. And, and once we get those memories, those lovely videos playing on the big screen that remind us what happened Uh, last season people's opinions can change and, and, yeah, you get reminded of all the great things that so many of these different athletes and teams achieved. So, yeah, again, picking the black fern, but I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I don't want to get in trouble by saying this is what I'm expecting. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. I'll say it again. I have no idea.
3: Yeah. what do we? What can we expect? Is it the same, similar sort of format we've seen for Halbergs as far as the presentation goes on our, on our TVs? Have you had a, a run-through rehearsal? Have you seen the run sheet? Does it look much the same as what we've had in the past?
5: Look, I've seen the run sheet, thank God, because it is tomorrow night, and I'd be freaking out a little bit if I hadn't, Stevie, But um, no, it's actually a little bit different this year. So the actual awards um, and what you guys will see on the TV watching at home um, they'll be presented the same, Katie and I obviously hosting and introducing award presenters and speakers and whatnot, but in those kind of moments where it's a, there's a little bit of a lull for the TV viewers, just kind of watching um, you know, the, the crowd or performances or things like that, Sky have actually decided to inject a panel, which Ricky Swinnell and uh, Goran Paladin will be hosting, And that'll be just off to the side of Spark Arena there. And in those moments, they'll cut to the panel where they'll get to discuss the awards, have guests, um, the award winners come up and, and have a panel discussion with them. And that will be sort of interjecting throughout the night just to bring a little more um, interaction, I guess, with the viewers at home. So I think that's a really cool initiative from, from Sky and the Helbergs, and I think it's going to make the whole viewing experience um, a whole lot better for everyone watching at home. The in-house viewers, well, you just have to wait and see. I'm a little bit worried is going to go rogue on me, but uh, we have rehearsals <laughs> today, so I'll find out soon.
3: <laughs> if you want to be relaxed with a host, KT is the man, isn't he?
5: Absolutely, absolutely. No, yeah, he's the best. It should be a
3: fun night. Yeah, well, Stormy, thanks heaps for chatting to us today. Um, how long does your prep take? Like hair, makeup, clothing. What time do you report for duty to Spark? It's it's hours, isn't it?
5: It is ours. It is ours. And it's not just because it takes me so long. I mean, I do have a lion's mane of hair, so that's going to take its fair share of time to get ready. <laughs> but there's also so many people that they have to get, um, you know, get glammed up. So I think I'm one of the first. I I'm mean, they're nice and early, hours early, to be honest. And then we do a read through and then there's the, the pre-show that's not televised that I'm in seeing. So it's going to be a long, long day. Um Yeah, I'm I'm not one for the glitz and glam, so I just kind of sit there and, I don't know, Pretend it's not happening and try and get it over and done with as quickly as possible. Um, but it's a, n- a nice excuse to put some heels on because being six foot one, I don't wear them too often. So no, I'm looking forward to it.
3: it. Should be fun. And you're not going to be up for an award tomorrow night, Storm. But I wanted to congratulate you. Like getting this job doesn't happen by accident. You've done amazing transition over into the the broadcasting scene. So well done and a little pat on the back for you, Storm Purvis, for being asked to do this. It's a, it's a big night and they've entrusted you to do it, and, and you'll kill it. So uh, enjoy tomorrow night, wow. and well done. Hey,
5: that means a lot coming from you. Thank you
3: so much. Brilliant. Storm Purvis there, who will be co-hosting the Halbergs with Carl Tenana. And interesting, they got that little side panel, Ricky Swinell and Goran Paladin. And um, when Stormy was saying that, actually, it took me back to many years ago when the Halbergs were on at Sky City Conference Centre or whatever it was, and Sky got me to do that job and I was sitting down in the foyer and my very first interview was Sir Graham Henry, who had won coach of the year. I absolutely packed myself. I didn't know what to call him. So I called him Mr. Henry. Hello, Mr. Henry. And he sat down on the couch next to me and he said, Nobody's ever called me that since I was at school. So from then on, I always used to call him Mr. Henry because then I thought then he'll remember me back from then. And to this day, whenever I see Graham Henry, I call him Mr. Henry. So, um, But I absolutely packed myself that night, but it was fun. It was absolutely fun. So I do enjoy the Helbergs, and I do say don't be critical of the winners that someone else should have won. I've just cast my eye through all the nominees. They are all worthy winners. Um, we're just so blessed with such depth of talent we shall take a break and we will come back
4: SCNZ, it's Kiwi for sport, call anytime 0800 150 811 Brand are experts
1: in agriculture, covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed
2: in your field summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ
3: Welcome back in. I'm just hurriedly trying to find our lowest ever score, Um, and I thought it was 60, but that's the men. The men scored 60 against Bangladesh in a T20. Goodness me. High score of 18 by Nichols and uh, Tom Latham. I'm just trying to hurriedly find the date of that match. Uh... September 2021, not that long ago. New Zealand's Tour of Bangladesh, we got 60. But yeah, not a great day for the White Ferns at the T20 World Cup. Um, Do they have one of those every year? It certainly feels like it. There are World Cups deluxe all over the place. Um, But New Zealand, South African women batted first, made 132 for six. Um, Looking at the scorecard there. I was going to do a prediction. Oh, no. Laura Bulvark, she only got 13. High bats for them was Chloe Tryon uh, with 40 runs. The bowling, uh, 2 for 23 for Eden Carson, 2 for 27 for Leah Tahuhu and 1 for 13, Hayley Jensen. So I would say that New Zealand would have been happy at halftime, 132 for 6 off 20. uh, But boy, oh boy, uh, New Zealand batted. They put Poseidon Hoot and Bates into open, Zero and zero. That's the second duck in a row. So Susie Bates has faced three balls this tournament and she's been out to two of them and she's made nothing. Georgia Plummer with seven. Amelia Kerr, that was sort of the dagger in the heart. When she went out for 10, I thought we are struggling here. Sophie Devine came in at five but only got 16. Green, seven. Jensen, seven. Tahuhu, one. Jess Kerr, 11. Eden, four, Eden Carson, four, and Fran Jonas, one, all out 67 in the 18th over. That, with mm. a run rate of three and a half, not good, Logan.
4: Yeah, not good at all. And it is, looking at the standings now, it does not paint a very good picture either after two matches for them. Uh, Sri Lanka, uh, currently top of the table, Australia uh, have another one to go. So you can imagine with their superior net run rate, they'll jump back up to first. South Africa are third, Bangladesh fourth. They've only played one game as well. You imagine uh, Australia might take the sword to them. New Zealand sitting last and that negative <laughs> run rate of four, minus 4.05. So that does not bode well for any tiebreaker situations either. Very likely facing an early exit. Uh, Is uh, it five teams,
3: five teams in
4: each group? Mm-hmm. And we've lost the top, two. Yeah, and the top two make it through to the semi-finals. There is no um, quarterfinals. Jeez. Uh, so you imagine at least Australia are going to get there, and I think by all hopes we were thinking, okay, New Zealand would get that second spot. Very likely could be Sri Lanka or potentially South Africa if they keep up their form. But post-match, uh, I was able to grab the thoughts from Sophie Devine
6: tough luck tonight unfortunately for the second game in a row the batting unit much vaunted batting unit hasn't come together what's been the challenge for the team i'm not too sure to be honest i think firstly credit has to go to south africa they completely outplayed us today and and, and we're deserved winners so so congrats to them to be honest it's embarrassing um i can't really say much else apart from that we've we've trained hard we've put in all the work behind the scenes and then to come out and perform like that for two games in a row now it's simply not good enough at international cricket. I know you would have also wanted to bat first but when you looked at the target on, on the board and the way the surface was playing did you think that you had a good chance to chase this down? Yes yeah, certainly, look I thought um, it, it, it was a competitive score but we always have the belief that we can chase down any score and I thought the wicket was probably slightly better than it was last game so for us, yeah again it's just disappointing we're, we're going to have to save some serious looks in the mirror and, and have some pretty harsh discussions I think. Unfortunately, now net run rate's taken an absolute hammering, two matches in a row. A couple of things for you to think about. And there's not much turnaround time in a World Cup like this. I know you say it's embarrassing and you've got to settle the emotions. What's the first thing you have to do when you get back into that change room? I think you've got to let your emotions out. I think that's what we've got to do. I think, um, I guess we've got a couple of days now before our next game and and we've got to let it out. Um, We can't hold on to it and then we've got to move on, I think. Tomorrow will be a really important day for us. I think we need to, to step away from the cricket field, from the training field, and, and have some time away because, yeah, look, tonight's performance in the night, uh, the other night was not good enough. So, look, it's harsh, and, and you know, this is where sport's bloody hard, but, um, yeah, we've got to bounce back. I want to end on a positive note. Eden Carson, what a bright future ahead of her. Yeah, and I think you're dead right. We've got to find some positives in this, and I thought the young guns have, have been brilliant. I thought, you know, she had a tough night the other night, but to bounce back and to bowl some tough overs was, was fantastic. So, look, we certainly do have to take some positives out, and there's some, there's some really good young players coming through.
3: Yeah, but the young players aren't taking wickets and scoring runs, Sophie Devine. So give us a yell, 0800 150 811. Your reaction? To the White Ferns capitulation at this Cricket World Cup. Or you want, might want to talk about your Super Bowl experiences or your flood Cyclone Gabriel experiences. It's an open line talk back on Smithy's this morning. Staff are in because uh, Smithy's been affected by the weather as well. 0800 150 I'd love to have a yarn with you and let's do that after the news.
6: Talk back time with Smithy. Call now 0800 150 Eight
3: eleven. That is the number, and that's the number that Scott from Taranaki is called. G'day, Scott.
7: Hey, Staffy. Hey, uh, the white fence. Uh, yeah, lowest ever total they've scored at a World Cup. Not a good look. Also, Hannah Rowe. Do we know why she was left out of the side? She's been the informed player bowling and batting wise in the the Super Smash this summer Um, surely you'd go in with the hot hand wouldn't you I mean she's full of confidence
3: at the moment I'm really baffled by that frustrating as am I I I think amongst um, national teams and selection policies and people who get in the most baffling one for me my whole life has been cricket Um, they don't seem to pick the they drop guys and girls and they don't pick other guys and girls and Hannah Rowe case in point it's a great great shout
7: yeah it's super frustrating. You know we've watched the domestic cricket league, and well, what's the point in having it if you don't take the players that are in form and you you take away people on name and reputation only and then they can't you know they're not they're not in that and they're playing poorly and and also taking in these spinners all the time is a fascinating thing for me. I know that's not where we're losing, we're losing with the bat. But I just think the balance of the side isn't quite right as well, which is reasonably frustrating to watch. And we've got some really good... And, and Sophie did talk about it in that news bite before too. We have got some young up-and-coming players coming through. But right now, we need to send you girls to step up. They're there. Do the job. But if you can't do the job, then we look to reset the thing. And I think David White needs to come on there too. Staffy and explain himself about what he's done to our national summer. I know he doesn't have a lot of say with the ICC and their, their uh, makeup of it, but domestically he can certainly have a look at the way he's structured it this year. I, I just don't think we've got the best out of New Zealand cricket at all and I think the players are, and the results are reflecting of it.
3: Yep, very good points well made Scott, um, and through my show and Smithy's show across the whole summer people are just scratching their head about cricket in New Zealand in summer could have been scheduled a whole lot better, eh?
7: Oh, absolutely! I mean, and also, how do we go from winning the Test Championship to to last almost? You know, <laughs> like, I mean, that that deserves a national inquiry on its own, Staffy. Like, we just keep doing the same things. Like, look at Brendan McCullum, right? It's winning, right? It's working. He made a change to England cricket; it was needed. And by gosh, they're playing some exciting cricket. And look at that two-day match against New Zealand eleven when it's six and it was six point nine or whatever it was, and over. I mean, if that's what we've got coming up on Thursday for the Test match, by goodness, I might, have, uh, might have take some annual leave days because this is going to be exciting.
2: <laughs> it's so, fun. you know, but
7: that's what you—that's what you want, though, isn't it, Steffi? We want that excitement back in cricket and that thought process. You know, uh, doing the same things and getting the same results. Uh, didn't someone say that's sort over? Of I can't remember what I'm saying. Is. But uh, you know, we've, we've got to look at the restructuring of the game and uh, have a crack, and if it doesn't work go back to doing what you were doing before
3: because you will know how to do that. Mm, Bang on. Good call Scott thanks buddy. Cheers mate. Yep Um, Brendan McCullum's brought Test Cricket kicking and screaming into the 2020s Um, maybe we need to inject some something a bit different into New Zealand cricket Gary from Upper Hutt. G'day Gary
8: G'day Steph. Yeah very disappointing performance this morning eh but quite honestly um, you know it's not out of the blue I don't think Um, I think we've for quite a while now, we've sort of been deluding ourselves with the quality of the domestic game here in New Zealand. I watched a fair bit of it, actually, of the female stuff, and um, the quality isn't that great. I mean, if you watch the match and you listen to the commentators, you'd swear that they're all world, world beaters, you know, but they're really not. I mean... Um, yeah so to me it's it's not really a surprise because i think that jump from the domestic level here in new zealand up to the international level we literally only have a handful of players who are really good enough to take that that step up i I believe and a, a few of them are on the way out you know they're very much at the end of their careers and honestly i don't see um you know that next level coming through at that level I mean, you look at Georgia Plymouth, for example. I, I swear, she's still two years away from mm. playing at the international level. But she's straight into that side. And, yeah, I think they'd benefit more just playing more domestic stuff and maybe even more club stuff, you know, just playing cricket. But to me, it's, it's, unfortunately, it, it hasn't been a shock.
3: Yeah, I, I, I tend to be in your camp as well. Like most of our really good players, Amelia Kerr, accepted are uh, over thirty. They're trying to bring these youngsters through, but maybe there isn't enough cricket domestically for them to to hone their skills. Like Michael Bracewell did in the men's game, played a lot of domestic cricket, which enabled him to take that step up to international because it's a big, big step, and even more magnified in the women's game.
8: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think they have to play more at these lower levels and just. Because you look at their batting, technically, a lot of them aren't very good. You, like I say, once again, you listen to these commentators and you just say, oh, that's a brilliant shot. And really, it wasn't. I mean, they, <laughs> they connected and it went and it's like, it was a slog, you know. So I don't know. I understand why they try and talk it up, but you've got to live in reality. And to me, yeah, like, and I'm a fan. You know, I want them to be good, so I want to see them playing more so they can step up to this international level. But I honestly think we're a yeah we're way off the pace we really are mm. aside from like i say there are a handful of world class players there for sure but that next level it's to me it's not really showing itself
3: yeah good man good chatting buddy
8: yeah hey um thoughts to everybody up in the, the top of the north there and well, middle of the north i mean not too bad down here it's just wet but um yeah obviously not too flash in the rest of the country so yeah thoughts out to everybody up there
3: good man good chatting to you buddy Let's go now to Graham. G'day, Graham.
9: Hey, mate. Can you hear me, alright?
3: Gotcha. Can I can you hear, hear you. Jeff? Yeah, I can hear
9: you. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just quickly, yeah. Thoughts to everybody in top of the North Island. I hope you're safe. Um, I think the woman's—it's a reality now. They've just realised that they're a professional sportswoman, and, and it's based on performance. And that's, that was rubbish, mate. You know? And the same thing happened last year the, in the one-day World Cup. They, the big guns, Sophie, Susie Bates and Sophie Devine didn't even show up. And the same things happened this time. They, they haven't showed up. If mm-hmm. was it wasn't for Amelia Kerr and her sister and Hannah Rowe, uh, we'd be like, it'd be, you'd be, why bother going? But, yeah. You know, they're getting paid. They're getting paid reasonably well now and it's all, all based on performance and they're not showing up and that's the reality of life, you know. It's no different for me and you, mate. If you don't perform, no one rings you up or listens to your show, staff. You, you're looking for another job next week. That's same it. Same thing. That's it. And, yeah. if they don't, and they've got to realise that you, we're not, we can't pat a cake just because they're females. We can't say, oh, well, you know, you've got to go up at job. They're getting paid reasonable money now, same as the Blackburns. You, ready go on the field and perform. Otherwise, you're going to get this sort of comeback, you know, like I don't. I'm not surprised that none of them got picked up in the IPL, apart from Amelia Kerr, who's a rock star. But they can't base the whole team around her. She'll just get burnt out. She's already had, a, you know, issues with her mental health. Just been it's just been. She just had. She started at 16. Mm. She's 20. Just she's 22, mate. You know, you got They need more support around them and. and and like the pre- previous caller said, they gotta, they're got they actually not that good, some of them. So, yeah, and it's professional sport, mate. You're going to get paid checks to do your job. You do it properly. Otherwise, it's like you and me. We just, you don't don't come Monday, mate. Yeah,
3: that's <laughs> so, it.
9: Which is sad, but that's just reality of life, mate. If they want to be up there with the big boys and get talked like how the All Blacks get talked or the Black Dunes get talked, show up, and sadly. But I hope they're all right. I hope mentally they're all right. I feel feel a bit for Susie Bates because she's done a lot of talking in the media about you know what they're going to do, but sadly she she failed badly, mm. and she's better than that. But um, yeah, yeah. Let's hope we yeah, can see a better a performance. Very mate. Yep. Yeah, Good, very good very
3: on you, Graham. Cheers, buddy. Graham out of Marlborough. formerly Northland, proud Taniwha man. The most interesting thing for me is what the White Ferns do now in their remaining games. Have they got the fortitude? We'll, we'll find out a bit about their character. Uh, their chances of playoff cricket's probably gone, but what will they bounce back with? Um, we will take a break. If you want to have a chat, 0800 150 We'll come back.
2: Smith on SCNZ.
3: Yes, welcome back. And Staffy in for Smithy. Uh, just a few letters changed. Uh, Smithy's been affected by the storm last night. Hope you're doing OK down there, Smithy. Uh, we go to Cliff in Dunedin. G'day, Cliff.
10: Yeah, g'day, Staffy. Hey, yeah, disappointing again about the ladies' cricket. Look, I, I watched uh, the game against Australia, and look, I'm disappointed with the way we're batting. You know, this, this idea of-, of trying to play pull shots, sweep shots on balls on the off, or right on the middle stump, they're getting themselves in terrible trouble, even trying to play lap shots. They're trying to get themselves squared up and trying to p- flick the ball back over the keeper's head. I just. I, I can't believe that, that this is the way that they've been taught to play these games. You know, look, if somebody's bowling a good line in length on the stumps, just hit it down, play it straight. If Even if you can't, even if you bet it out of your crease a little bit more, just to break the length up. But this idea of this crazy, you know, the other day was that Susie Bates did a sweep shot and, and then ended up getting it under edge straight on her stumps on the, and she was out for a duck and they both ended up out for for ducks. i you know, we're not going to win many games trying to play this sort of game of cricket. Yeah. You know, it's all right going, we're not, not everybody's a Baz McCullum, and you need pace on the ball to be able to do stuff. You can't, somebody's bowling 100k barely more than a spinner. You can't try and hit them off middle stump by going back in front of your stumps and then dropping on one knee. It just doesn't work.
3: Yeah, Uh, I was was in watching it this morning and uh, Matty Green, uh, when Tryon was bowling and I saw Matty Green position to do a reverse lap or reverse sweep and I just went, oh no. That was even before the wicket went and toe end of the bat, onto the pad, popped up, easy catch. I'm like, what are you doing playing that? It wasn't a huge chase, but uh, I felt like they were trying to chase 400, not 130. Yeah,
10: they this idea you just get there and play get yourself a look have a look you got to give the bowler his time you know you can't get there this is the same thing with this young fella alan that's opening for the black caps he's got to give the bowler a, a chance because he's going to bowl you a few good nuts in the first few balls mm. and you've got to get him behind play in the v but this idea of playing all these crazy shots off off middle stump uh and and lap shots and, and and reverse sweeps. Everybody's got this idea that this is the way that it looks good. You know, oh look at this uh, reverse sweep. And, and half the time they're only hitting it to the fieldsman and the, the, who's set there for it. You know, they're taking too far too many risks. If we're going to win games of cricket and be a proper side, we have to play proper cricket. And this ain't proper cricket to me.
3: Mm, good call, Chris. The
10: bowlers are doing. Bowlers are doing the business. You know, they're bowling tidy. Can't take it away from them. But these batsmen, you know, we don't bat well down the order. Look, once we lose the top four or five, the the, the, the ones coming in at the end are pretty average. And even the Australians the other night, they could have scored a lot more, but their batting at the end was very woeful looking as well. Mm. So you just got to, you know, I don't know what Jake Orham and these guys have been doing with the team's But, uh, you know, get somebody in there, you know, up the B, down the wicket, until they're short and wide, then you can have a go.
3: Nice. Basics first. I like it. Cliff, thanks for calling, buddy. Um, Always appreciate your call. We'll take a break, and on the other side
1: in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed
2: in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ You got
11: to know when to hold up, know when to fold
6: up, multi. know when to walk away, and know when to run.
12: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
3: Um Grant Lisbeth's favourite song. We just heard it then. Grant Lisbeth's favourite song. Right, Smithy's multi <clears throat> is my multi today. Here we go. I'm taking the New York Knicks to beat the Brooklyn Nets. Last time they met, Kyrie Irving got the win almost on his own for the Nets. He ain't there. It's at Madison Square Garden. New York Knicks. Bang, tick. There goes one. Second one, um, PSG against Bayern Munich. They're both paying $2.50 head-to-head. There's nothing in this match. Unbelievably, the draw is paying $3.60. Very good defences, both of them. I'm picking nil-all or one-all at the most. So taking the draw, PSG against Bayern Munich. And the third leg, I'm going into the NHL, Calgary to beat Ottawa, $1.57. Why? Because Logan said that was a good bet.
4: LAUGHTER <laughs> Wow you trust me this is off to a good start
3: Well I was just thinking it's a Tuesday There's not much in my wheelhouse Going on today so I thought NHL, I just yelled across this Calgary like, beat Ottawa, yeah that's a good bet Explain
4: yourself Logan Why will they win? Ottawa, as I have said to the TAB They are very average <laughs> <laughs> so have you done the maths on what all of that adds up to? Is that what you guys do now? Yeah, uh, I do do the maths on that. It's coming to a nice handy total of nine fifty-four. That's good. Ooh. Get on it. Get on it. Get on it. Um, mornings
3: with Ian Smith. I am sitting in for him, but it is a big thanks to Brent. They are your local John Deere equipment seller. And if you're in the market for that kind of stuff, that kind of machinery... Oh, the green and yellow are John Deere Heidi, and get a cap as well with a little logo on the front and you'll feel real you'll feel agricultural. Big thanks to Brant, love having you part of the station Back after the news
1: Art and service needs to help you succeed in your
2: field From behind the stumps to behind the mic nothing gets past Smithy This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ I
11: can
10: get Why do I keep
1: wasting my time? Man, you make it easy for
11: me. So, why can't I make you
3: love me? That's a bit more romantic, Logan, for Valentine's Day. Better than that grungy Bogan stuff you played at the top of the
4: show. Um,. The word you're looking for is emo? Emo music, was that, it? That was very emo of me, yeah. Okay, give yourself an uppercut. Um, a
3: lot of talk in that first hour about the performance or non-performance of the White Ferns, um, actually, at the T20 World Cup, and I'd imagine as disappointed as the rest of us joined us now, it's a, I feel a bit sad to bring her on a day when everyone's reflecting on the performance of the White Ferns, but let's celebrate Amy Satterthwaite winning the Super Smash with her fantastic team. Amy, welcome into the show. Good morning. Let's congratulate you ending your domestic career on an absolute high with the Magicians, winning the Super Smash. Must have given you a lot of delight uh, with that group of young women.
12: Yeah, it was pretty special, to be honest. Obviously, ending up at at home, thanks to the guys hosting the the finals day, but um, the way that the team sort of performed throughout the season, and then in particular in that Semi-final and final, they just really stepped up and in, um, in big moments as well, and it was it was pretty special to be a part of.
3: What's changed? what have been the biggest couple of changes for you, Amy, from when you first encountered cricket at the domestic level a few years ago, now to where it's at now?
12: Yeah, well, Frankie reminded me that um, Abigail Hotten, who made her debut the other day, wasn't even born when I made my debut. <laughs> so I certainly feel like I've been around for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's. it's certainly changed a lot. I think we saw that with the the WPO auction overnight. Um you wouldn't have ever dreamt that something like that was going to happen in the women's landscape and um I think that's just, you know, forcing the game to keep growing and the introduction of the T twenty format in particular is has probably, you know, been a, a really good thing for the women's game and in the way that it's made um I guess people evolve you know, physically and skillfully on the field as well. So it's been an exciting time to be part of and I think um, the T20 format in particular, I've got a lot to thank in a way. It's probably made me have to look at my game and, and evolve it in the way that I played and I think that's only helped my first year over the game over the years as well.
3: Do we have the depth? Because we've done a lot of talk back and we had a lot of texts in the first hour about the performance over at the World Cup. Is it seems to be, and it might be too convenient to say, if Susie and Sophie and Amelia Kerr fail, New Zealand fail because the depth just isn't there. It's we've seen, you know, the odd sprout of hope from some of the other players, but domestically, do we have the strength and the ability? At the moment, to be able to push internationally?
12: Uh, That's a good question. I think it's probably being shown a little bit at the moment that um, our depth certainly isn't as strong as some of the other countries. And, you know, I've had the the fortune of playing in the likes of Australia and and England and and seeing some of the talent that's coming through in those countries. I think um, it is going to be a real challenge for us moving forward. I think we'll have to be pretty smart, I guess, with our resources and, and how we look to, to bring players through and, and develop them and we probably have thrown some players in the deep end a little bit um, you know with limited domestic experience let alone then having to jump up to that international experience and it is a different level and um, they're sort of having to learn on their feet which is pretty tough at times but you, you hope that with them being surrounded with the experience of the likes of Sophie, Susie, Mealy and even Maddie, um that you mentioned before that we'd be able to have you know a good balance but but you said, unfortunately, if those big guns don't
3: fire, it makes it a pretty tough ask. Is there enough cricket domestically for our women players? Because we, we often find, you know, Susie, Sophie, Amelia, that they're enticed to other leagues. Um, so our youngsters don't get to mix and mingle as much with them as I think would be beneficial. So on the domestic calendar, is there enough cricket in New Zealand for these 17, 18, up to 21-year-olds to hone their craft?
12: I think there's enough domestic cricket. I think we can be looking at what other cricket we've got available to some of these players. And Like you say, we have, I guess, our top tier go off and play in leagues around the world. And, and is there an opportunity to provide more cricket to, to the other players that um, don't go and play in those leagues and, I guess, provide a little bit of a, a bridging gap between domestic cricket and, and international cricket and, and give them you know some tougher um competition and opportunities but also just more time to experience different conditions, different um, you know, game situations to, to learn and evolve. I think we've probably seen that a little bit in the first two games of <clears throat> of the World Cup and we look a little bit like we're not quite sure how to play on, on different conditions and on wickets that are probably you know being a little bit lower and slower than we might have um expected and, and you know getting that experience at a younger age, you know, helps us to be able to adapt to that and I know I've seen Australia send A-teams over to England and under-19 teams over to South Africa for tours and all of that experience um, has to be hugely beneficial for them but even back home how we can have more camps and more access to players and and, um, giving them uh, I guess you know greater understanding of, of their games and developing their skills as well outside of domestic cricket would be a, a huge benefit I think as well.
3: Yeah because you you were good enough and played for long enough to play all around the world and whereas we're picking young women to go and compete at World Cups and they go and play in a country for the first time or overseas for the first time. Is there, is there an argument to say maybe put together, I don't know, a New Zealand universities team and send them in, and play some lower level, you don't expect full internationals in South Africa, in India, in Australia just to get them used to different conditions, whether we get a, let's let's like earmark it, an under 20s team just put it together and send them away and get them used to it so when that inevitable step up comes, they've got some, got some experience overseas Yeah there's
12: definitely that side of it, I think we saw a development team go to India in December and that's going to be huge and I guess that's the exciting part is there are some of those opportunities starting to happen, but the flow and effect of that won't be seen straight away, and it'll take a little bit of time. So, you know, hopefully we can continue to have those opportunities as well. And um, and then I think it's about getting players to be able to to dominate at their level, and whether that's at under 19, whether that's in it, you know, an A level or a domestic level. That if they can learn to to dominate at that level, then they can take those learnings and that skill development up to the next level. Whereas sometimes when you have a a lack of depth, you start to fast-track players quite quickly and they probably lose that opportunity to score big runs, take lots of wickets um, at that you know level underneath and then they're expected to perform at the higher level. So it's a, a really delicate balance and unfortunately sometimes when you don't have a, a massive amount of depth, like I say, you, you sometimes fast-track these things and it doesn't always work in your favour.
3: Where are you at with high performance in the women's game? Is, is it... Is it accessible enough? Is the identification of the future high performers right in women's cricket? And, yeah, is it is it preparing our youngsters for the next level?
12: I think we've probably had a period where we haven't had enough in place. We've, you know, so many of us that were in the White Ferns had talked about the fact that we played a cricket um, earlier in our careers and the experience that that gave us. And I think we've had five or six years where we've had nothing underneath the White Flames and um, just expected players to go from domestic cricket straight up to international cricket so you know that has probably been a concern but I think now we're just starting to see some things take place I think the appointment of Liz Green is a great one I think she'll do some fantastic work in that space I think the appointment of Sarah McGlashan's been outstanding and her having access to that next tier and that younger group of players I think will be huge for the development but like I said earlier that's going to take time to see the rewards and the flow on of that so we're probably hoping for better performances right now and it might actually take two, three, four years to start to see um, some improvement in that space now that we're starting to get some of the systems and resources in place
3: And I would imagine uh, someone who's had 20 years at the top of cricket could offer quite a bit, Amy Satterthwaite, what are you up to the next few years, could we please um, get you involved somehow <laughs>
12: that's a good question um it's certainly something i'm having to work through over the next wee while uh what life looks like after playing but i love the game um i've loved being involved for so long and it has been a a huge part of my life so because there's opportunities around i'd I'd love to stay involved and and try and give back where i can and and hopefully help um you know develop players and, and improve the skill within new zealand but yeah like i say yeah certainly love being involved and hopefully that those opportunities can be there
3: somewhere. Can you earmark for us after such a long career um, I think you've still got is it the Halliburton uh, Johnston Shield um, and they're renaming the oval to Satterthwaite Oval. Not many of us are going <laughs> to go to our grave having had a, an oval <laughs> named after us um, but that is in recognition of your contribution. That That's going to be a pretty cool feeling.
12: Yeah, it certainly took me by surprise, that's for sure. Um, We've got four games left in the Halliburton Burton-Johnson Shield competition and and hopefully a final if we can perform well enough. But, yeah, to have a ground that I think has been pretty special for me over the years, I started my club cricket for St Albans, which played um, at that ground many, many years ago. And, you know, obviously to see the evolution of it into what it is today, it's a, a pretty amazing ground. And I think, you know, globally around the world, it's right up there. And to think that, yeah, they've renamed it for a couple of games. Um, like I said, I certainly didn't see that coming and it's a, a very special honour.
3: And before we go, uh, Amy, can, I'm going to try and pin you down. You've probably been asked before and you've, you've got standard answers, but can we get an international highlight and a domestic highlight out of you?
12: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I struggle with those sorts of questions. Um, there's so many games that I've played over the years um, and we've certainly had some very memorable ones um, I think domestically, I said the other day that from a T20 point of view, scoring 100 um, last year, mm. I didn't think it was something I'd probably ever do, and I've, I've probably always been earmarked a little bit as a 50-over player. So that was something pretty special to to tick off. Um, and then you know, things like playing at Lords internationally, um, you know, it was pretty, pretty special. And thinking of the places and countries that I've been able to travel to um, and play at, you know, as a cricketer it has been pretty pretty special. And Obviously, scoring my first hundred for New Zealand um, against Australia as well would be be right up there. But um, probably the the ones that got away in terms of the World Cups that we didn't perform at will be the ones that will haunt me. Um, you know, hopefully I will try not to think about them too much as, once I stop playing. But yeah, they, it was always an honour to to represent New Zealand at those World Cups, and we felt like we had teams that could compete, and we certainly had some some good moments. But to not quite be able to lift one of those or a Rose Bowl for that fact um, were probably the the disappointing parts of my career, but I've certainly had many highs and um, along the way as well.
3: We're talking to uh, Amy Satterthwaite, who's given so much to the game of cricket, and you see, just had a text through from Josh, and so before I let you go, I, I always put the listeners' questions to you. Do you watch the men's game at all, and what's your take on how they're tracking or not tracking?
12: Yes, I do. I am a little bit of a cricket nuffy so I certainly watch a lot of cricket um, globally, and in particular the, the men's game, but actually had the the um pleasure of being involved with some under seventeen boys games and being able to I guess have a different um environment and, and being involved with that was pretty cool just to to see how they go about things um, and, and learn from them. But yeah, I think the the Black Caps have been um a real leader for us in New Zealand cricket over the years and, and probably performed um you know incredibly well and a little bit above where you'd probably expect us to as a as a small country, but um, yeah, they're, they're probably not quite um, at the level they'd like to be at the moment, and it'll be interesting how they track. Um, I think these tests against England coming up will be a real test of where they're at. Obviously, we really enjoy playing at home, and hopefully the weather allows us to do that, but yeah, that's going to be a real marker as to where they're at at the moment. I know they'll be incredibly disappointed after winning the World Test Championship to how they've then played recently but we know they've got some outstanding cricketers so hopefully they can continue to turn that around.
3: Yep, brilliant Amy, well hopefully the White Ferns can unearth some more outstanding cricketers in your mold you've been such a wonderful contributor to the game and the development of the game and speaking to young cricketers as played with and against and alongside you, uh, your contribution has truly been invaluable. Um, If we could do more than just name an oval after you, I'm sure we could, but Amy, thanks so much for everything you've given the sport and the landscape, particularly our young women's cricketers over the year, Um, I wish you all the very best and pleased don't be a stranger to the game of cricket. We need people in in there like you, inspiring as you have done as a player. I'm sure you can even do it even more so as a coach or a, an advisor or some sort of thing. So, Amy, uh, go well and uh, thanks for joining us today.
12: No worries, thank you. It's been yeah, it's been a privilege to play for so long, and I've absolutely loved it. So, looking forward to what's next.
3: Brilliant. Amy Satiswaite there who's, what do you do? Do you hang up the bat, hang up the pads? Four more games I think of the one day which is her wheelhouse so look for some pretty sparkling performances as she exits um, the playing stocks as it was and and I think along with everyone I think she was um, sat down from international duties possibly a year or two too soon and just that steady head um, the steady guidance and the mentorship that she could be bringing or well, adding to these young players that are coming through, invaluable. When I heard a really nice um, tribute to Amy Satterthwaite, was it yesterday when Frankie McKay was on with Smithy? I think it was, yeah. Um, and just paying tribute to the importance of people like Amy Satterthwaite. So a real pleasure to have her on the show. Um, yeah, fantastic. You are on Mornings with Smithy, and that is an association with Brandt. That is B R A N D T. DT. They are your local John Deere equipment supplier, if that's the sort of stuff, if that's what you're looking for, go to Brent and have a look at what John Deere have got to offer world leaders in um, equipment of that nature. We'll come back after a short break.
1: Experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter,
2: he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
4: It's made me sit up and take notice. Yeah, this of, is unscheduled. A bit of breaking news for your oh, staff. You Steph. Like you, you wouldn't be that familiar with this music, uh, <laughs> but I do appreciate you jumping in. The last minute to come onto the show. Well, uh, you know, Smithy's dealing with the effects of Cyclone Gabrielle. Is uh, a lot of people, especially in the Hawks Bay, uh, by the sounds of it, mm. um, not great to hear that because I've got family that way. Brian's got family that way as well. So, hope and everyone.
3: My, has, my sister lives in Papamoa and she had to go to Hawks Bay to do work. And she was really pleased because Papamoa was going to get smashed. So she's in a motel in Havelock North, and said they got smashed. Oh,
4: yeah, you hate. Yeah, you hate to hear. Her. I hope everyone is doing the best that they can out there. But the actual the breaking news that we have. Mm. Uh, There's been some changes to the Black Caps lineup for the England Test Series. Carl Jamison has been ruled out with a suspected back stress uh, fracture while Matt Henry will miss the first test at Bay Oval as he awaits the birth of his first child. The uncapped duo of Jacob Duffy from Otago and Scott Kugeline from ND have been called into the squad and will arrive in Mount Maunganui this afternoon ahead of the opening day-night test against England, which is still scheduled to start Thursday 2pm? Well,
3: that's a big step down in class. It's a big step down in experience. I don't imagine they'd both play, but they're probably going to be forced to play one of them. Um, so, yeah, interesting. If it wasn't hard enough to take on England, uh, Brendan McCullen coached England, <laughs> Um with a pink ball in a day night, oh boy, um, I was going to go down and watch uh, Friday night, Saturday, not Sunday, I was going to come home Sunday, I'm not going now, but um, boy, oh boy, it just made it a little bit harder for us, I feel.
4: Yeah, it'll be interesting because the England bowlers don't sound like they're massive fans of that pink ball, but it sounds like they are trying to create movement from it, so it be interesting to see how they go in the conditions at Bay Oval. Uh, but, yeah, a bit unfortunate there with Kyle Jamison. Um, you know, he had recently returned to action for Auckland. He, he's done all right there. But he's come through those uh, the warm-up matches without an issue. But Gary Setter said that since, a latest scan results uh, show that there's a suspected fracture, which does require further investigation. So, I mean... I'm, I, I'm scared
3: not, that's going to follow him his whole career. I
4: do as well. And, uh, of course, that questions whether or not, he should have been brought in for those warm matches or not or just take his recovery a little bit slower. Mm. You get bowlers like Adam Milne is another one that's just suffered stress fractures his his whole
3: career. And when you think about Adam Milne and you think about Cole Jamison, similar build, uh, tall, lean. Yeah, the height is a big thing there. The height is a big thing. And so much stress goes on your body as a fast bowler. So
4: Shane Bond was the same, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, he had back issues as well. It's such a hard action for your body to do continually. Continually. Anyway, a uh, couple of text messages. I'll just get a couple of text messages out of the way first. Uh, What's Smithy going to say about that gutless performance? I guess we'll find out that out tomorrow. Uh, Staffy, what time are you talking to Sam Manson from the Coast to Coast? Just after 11 o'clock news. Um, I'll be doing that. JD? Susie Bates is a flat track bully. She needs to go from Vaughan. will we? um is it true, Smithy, can't stop crying over that performance? Potentially, potentially, maybe his house is fine, but uh, he's just too upset about that performance. Um, mind-blowing stupidity from Gary Stead and the selectors. How can you not select Bolt when two of our frontline line seamers are ruled out? The fans want to see our best players playing every game, not a B team getting pumped. Liam, my understanding is Trent Bolt won't play test cricket unless he's contracted, and he's been told that. No-one will come out and say that publicly, and again, Might be scuttlebutt on my part, uh, but that's what I've heard. Anyway, Super Bowl was yesterday, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So the crew in the production booth have put together a bit of a package for you. Here's some highlights from Super Bowl. He's
11: back and he'll kick it again. It wobbles a little up at the 30. It's fielded by Canarius Tony, who was heading left and came back right. It's a good double back. Tony trying to find the way down the right touchline. He walks the tight line, takes the yards out the 20, the 15, the 10. There's a muddle of players. He's driven out at the 5. Number. What a putt return, Canarius Tony. Game defining stuff. Snap comes to Mahomes, backs away, throws it in, they trick them again. The Chiefs are just too clever. Sky Moore this time, totally unmarked. In for the touchdown, Kansas City build the lead and the genius of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid materialising before us. And so they go straight to the quarterback sneak. They're going to try to drive it in. Hertz up to the goal line. Tumbles in. Touchdown. Eagles. Just like that. Hertz is in the shotgun. Takes the snap. Goes left himself. He's found space. Late tackles. Can't stop him. Hertz goes over for two more. The dream for the Eagles is reignited. They tie it up at 35 apiece in what is emerging as an out-and-out out classic. Harrison Butka for what looks like the winning score. He drives the field goal right up the lane. The Kansas City Chiefs take the lead with eight seconds remaining. A textbook exercise in time management and precision. One play left, in all likelihood. Jalen Hurts, he's got to come up with a miracle. He backs into the pocket, he lets the receivers get to the end zone. He stands and he heaves down the field. It's short of the end zone and the Chiefs win Super Bowl 57. It is a legacy moment for Patrick Mahomes, it is testimony to the genius of Andy Reid and it is pandemonium for this generation of chiefs who collapse on the field and a swamp by their teammates and the Phoenix air fills with the red and yellow confetti come from behind and mow down the Philadelphia Eagles in a high-scoring final. 38-35. Oh,
4: oh fantastic. How fantastic was that? Great calls there by uh, Jared Ratley and uh, Ben Graham. That's what was on uh, SDN and SDNZ. That, that was all just from the fourth quarter, fourth quarter alone because the fourth quarter was just nuts there was at one point it was 28 27 to Kansas City yesterday we had Sterling Holmes on from ESPN Kansas City his prediction was that it was going to be 31 30 to Kansas and I was like there's 10 minutes to go there's every likelihood he is going to be correct and if he was I was going to try and get him back on I'd be like what well, are you some kind of like messiah or something are you a guru or something yeah bit of a guru and then when it came down to uh, Jalen Hurts going for a two-point conversion, you know, it was 35-33, and I was thinking, all right, they're going to f- go for a two-point conversion here. Sure enough, they do. And then towards the end there, when the game just broke open for the Chiefs, and I was, I I don't know how you feel about this, Staffy, but the clock management by... Uh, the Chiefs was, chef's kiss. Money. It was absolutely perfect. The fact that they took a knee there right before the goal line and then we're just like, all right, we'll just take a knee and then we'll take a knee and we'll just make you chew up your timeouts. We'll use our timeouts and then we'll take a kick and we're done. Mm. Oh, unbelievable. It was amazing. Andy Reid is is a wizard and they had a touchdown
3: if they wanted it, but he just took a knee just before the line which was brilliant. We're going to be talking some more Super Bowl and perhaps play you a couple of interviews soon as well. But we'll take our new sport and weather. And on the other side, I think it's Shiraz Soysa. He is going to join us uh, to break down that amazing, amazing Super Bowl 57. We'll take a break and we'll come back. Well, yesterday, the Kansas City Chiefs, once again the Super Bowl champions. An amazing, an amazing match. Uh, toppling the Eagles, 38-35. Three points separating. Um, arguments that either side could have won that, and they absolutely could. But joining us now to relive a wonderful afternoon that might have included hot dogs, Budweiser, Buffalo wings, the whole shebang, and even Rihanna at the halftime show, it is Shiraz Soysa. He is the coach of our national flag football team. Um, I loved it yesterday, Shiraz. What about you?
13: Yeah, no, look, uh, thanks for that, mate. It was was a highlight of the season, wasn't it, in the football calendar, and, and, you know, it, it... it attracts a lot of casual fans as well and it attracts people who don't really watch the sport. So it was really good that we had a exciting and sort of entertaining game as well, um, just for the general audience.
3: Just looking at a few facets of the game, going into the game, the, the Eagles had a really highly respected defence line. Were you surprised to see their line somewhat ineffective, zero sacks in a Super Bowl, which you wouldn't have imagined going into the game?
13: Yeah, look, I think that the telling thing for me is they were sort of really focused on on the pass game. And yes, Patrick Mahomes had a good game. You know, he he made big plays when it mattered. But what they really couldn't stop was the Kansas City um, running game. So Isaiah Pacheco, you know, got over five yards a carry, which is which is really good outing for a running back. Uh, And the entire, you know, not just the D-line, but the entire box, the D-line and their linebackers just couldn't stop that. What that allowed for is it allowed Mahomes to have platforms of short, you know, second downs and and short third downs to really really make them pay. Um, And I think that was a big part of the game. So, you know, they focused on one aspect, uh, but really they weren't as well-rounded as they usually are.
3: Speaking of Holmes, he looked to tweak his ankle at the end of the first half again and really struggled to get off the field. I didn't know if he'd come back but um, how much did their game plan or how much was their game plan enforced to be changed in the second half due to that tweak?
13: Look, I think uh, I think they ended up going with a, a very similar game plan to what they had. You know, you saw Mahomes still have a couple of runs in the game uh, in the second half. Uh, he could obviously do a lot more in straight lines than he, than he could do sort of, um, uh, you know, trying to make defenders miss, but that's not part of his game anyway. So I think for the most part, it was actually quite a phenomenal effort by Mahomes because he he sort of just t- said to the team that we'll just carry on as normal and he'll he'll gut it through and he and he did that, you know, and, and it's really hard. Anyone who's had a high ankle sprain can tell you that's one of the hardest ankle injury or injuries to sorta of you know, uh, to get back from. And, and yeah, phenomenal effort. A bit the adrenaline sort of kicked in at some stage and helped him along that.
3: Travis Kelce, I want to talk to you about him. He's He received for 81 yards, averaged 13.5. Him and Mahomes, I mean, there's there's been fantastic duos uh, on Super Bowl glory as well. Is there a better combination in the NFL than these two at the moment?
13: No, I, I can't think so. I mean, look, the, the, the beauty about it is, Travis Kelsey's is not, the, you know, you wouldn't look at him and go, he's the most athletic or, you know, the, the most physically imposing player. Uh, there, there's other players who sort of, you know, meet those boxes and exceed that. But he's so creative and, and the two of them just have such a good connection. You know, they know where to go when things break down. They no quick adjustments. They don't need to signal. They just, you know, there is a, a layer of a level of communication that's sort of implied between the two. Um, and that's that's so hard to get, you know. That's sort of the, the the place that most receivers want to get to with their quarterback. And those two have it in droves, uh, and are you know extremely talented in their own right. So no, I don't think there's a better better connection out there.
3: I do have to mention Eagles quarterback. He did everything he could to get the Philadelphia side across the line. He threw for a touchdown, ran in three more himself. Um, he just about carried the Eagles to Super Bowl on his back.
13: Yeah, look, I mean, you know, you've got to feel sorry for Jalen Hurts. He did just about everything. You know, like you said, he he, he led the rushing game, um, and he also was uh, instrumental in the passing game. And and his usual sort of detractors, you know, would go on to say, we talk about his accuracy, but you know, thirty-seven for thirty-eight, that's that's a really good good line for over three hundred yards in the game, um, as well as the seventy yards on the ground and the three touchdowns. Uh, one thing that you know, he is able to do so well is, is teams can't really stop them on short yardage situations. Uh, a quarterback that athletic uh, with the ability to not just run, you know, you saw the 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 quarterback keepers uh, and the sneaks uh, executed quite well, but also in general his running off, off platform and when things break down. Um, I think we're starting to see quarterbacks, you know, that type of quarterback now but. the the norm and sort of the meta, uh, if you'd like, in the league. So um, Jalen Hurts is someone who's definitely leading the way in that.
3: In a high-scoring game like this, it's usually a big play by the defence that can, can make the difference, but it was Kansas City special teams and they did the job. Tony, the, the longest punt return in Super Bowl history was absolutely phenomenal. used his blockers magnificently. You normally think of a big punt return as going to be flat-out speed, but he, he, he pegged himself back and stayed behind his blockers. But you go back to the punt that allowed that, and he's an Aussie punter. How do you think he felt at that time?
13: Yeah, look, that's that's a tough one, right? Because I'm sure the special teams coach probably wanted that ball out of bounds, um, and that's the reality of it. In those sort of situations, you don't, you know, you don't let that sort of magic happen when when there's you know such a short such a short period of time left in the game. So I think he'll be kicking himself, but look, it's not just down to him. It's, it, there's 11 guys on the field nah. uh, in reality, and, and someone should have made that tackle. And and just looking at sort of real short clips of it, it looked like uh, the, the entire. Um, Um, punt group was sort of out of position and you can't do that with someone like Kadarius Tony There, he's just such a phenomenal athlete and he'll make you pay and he did
3: I want you to put on your black and white striped top, a cap, uh, very tight pants and fill your pockets with flags (laughs) Uh, because at the end of the game there was a penalty call, it was a hold against uh, Philadelphia's Bradbury I watched it I just thought no, not in this big game do you think it was the right call?
13: No, I tend to agree with you. You know, like, if you look at it on its merits and on a very technical basis, you can make an argument. And, and, you know, James Bradbury, for his credit, came out and sort of admitted that. um, That, yes, he did tug on the jersey. And technically, yes, that is a, a holding penalty. But when you look at two things, one, where the ball was thrown to. You know, it was quite a long way out. It would take quite a big hole to sort of prevent the receiver from getting there. And also the... The moment and the stage, uh, uh, you know, I find that a very, very tough flag to throw. Now, I, I don't know if that would have completely changed the, the equation. It would have meant that Jalen hurts had, had a minute twenty or so, you know, to get them back into field goal range. But you know, it you, sort of the way he was playing, it probably have to give that at least as a fifty-fifty. But yeah, you know, I think that was a tough call to make in that situation.
3: Now we're in the off-season. It's just started, of course. Does Philadelphia have? the backbone a spine, to make a decent run again at the Super Bowl, or are they done?
13: I think their offence does. I mean, you know, you've know, got to assume that they extend Jalen Hurts now to a big contract, um, but the the thing I'd be looking for in the off-season is what happens to their defence, uh, and particularly their defensive line. They've got a couple of players who are coming off contract and are going to want to going to want big deals. So it, it's whether they can keep their, their defence together, and that quite often makes a big deal with teams like this. So, you know, two things to look for with them. How do they draft? Um, you know, what do they focus on? Suggests suggest they are probably focused on that defensive side of the ball, uh, whether they can extend Jalen Hurts, which is probably going to be their priority. And, you know, you can't have everything, so how they manage their, their defence in the offseason is going to be key.
3: couple of things not to do with Super Bowl. Tom Brady's officially retired. People were expecting Aaron Rodgers to do the same, but there's speculation that he might shift from Green Bay to the New York Jets. I'd welcome that because I'm a Buffalo Bills fan and I think he's cooked. Um, do you think that's a likely move?
13: Look, I mean, I, I wouldn't consider that a bad fit in all honesty. I think the Jets, you know, they've got a good defence. They've got some pieces around him that can help, you know, that, that can sort of prolong his career and give him a few uh, a few extra uh, uh, seasons in the tank at a, at a high level you know as a Bears fan who's seen him sort of dominate our division for years I'd love to sort of see the back of him finally um but in in you know in, in fairness uh, what's he doing a, a bit of a darkness retreat or something to try and <laughs> figure out where he where he wants to go so let's see how that goes but I, I wouldn't count him out as I, I guess the, what I've learned the hard way being a Bears fan for the last you know couple of decades with him around it's you never count him out especially in some of these big situations when he's got a team around him.
3: I did hot dogs and hot wings yesterday, what did you do for Super Bowl?
13: Yeah so we, we had something similar, we had the hot dogs, the loaded prize, uh, wings and, and you know a few other bits and pieces but <laughs> it was probably one of the, the first Super Bowls we didn't really go out and do anything uh, with a big group, with the weather obviously it's usually, it's usually having a a bunch of mates over or or doing it. They wanted the big venues. Um, So, yeah, it was a little bit different. Um, Had the young family with me and, and, you know, we all enjoyed a good game of football, although my daughter preferred um, a bit of Paw Patrol in the other room halfway through, so you can't blame her for that.
3: (laughs) And potentially Rihanna too. Before we go, uh, Shiraz, you you are the coach of the National Flag football team. You must have been delighted that Flag was part of the Pro Bowl uh, weekend.
13: Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's part of a really big push from the NFL to get flag uh, in, in as a mainstream sport. It, it's so accessible, it's it's easy to play, and, and you know, like my background, I, I still come from a contact background, and all our all our players, for the most part, come from a contact background. But with flag, it really, you know, it, it takes the 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 really fun skills part of the game into sort of a basketball type environment, um, which you're seeing. Such massive growth around the world. You know, we're going to be playing into continentals later this year, where we've, um, where we, it's Oceania and Asia. You know, and we're playing the teams from Japan, South Korea, Australia, Papua New Guinea, you know, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, etc. And you know, sport in the part of the world which you never really expect to to be that big but um, all of that growth really is around flag and and you can see why the NFL is really behind it because it, it you know it has a lot of diversity in the game it allows women to compete in in football which you know in america was really a non uh, uh, you know not, not something you can really see um and obviously building towards the olympics in 2028 which they're trying to push for it being included as a uh, demonstration sport because it's in la and they get a pick five uh, they think they're pretty close to getting that over the line and and would be would be very supportive if they if they do and very keen to sort of make sure we're in there at some stage as well
3: absolutely um fantastic to talk to you today uh really enjoyed it so uh you can put your feet up and um, just recover from an amazing NFL season and um, we wish you all the best. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, mate. Go well. Here is he is. he is the head coach of the New Zealand flag football team. We'll take a break and we'll come back.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
6: The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan.
3: I'd argue that Louis Herman Watt is racing's biggest fan, and he joins us now for the racing update. Uh, Louis, welcome in.
0: Yes, it has been said from time to time. I am maybe racing's uh, biggest victim over the weekend, but... um, (laughs) We, we'll we forge John, staff, you know how it goes, we've got short memories, us
3: punters. You have to, it's it's part of your DNA, just forget and move on, unless it's a massive one, remember that for the rest of the year. What have we got coming up, what have we got to look forward to?
0: There's actually heaps of to straddles through. Um, obviously with the devastating weather going on, and I just actually probably didn't quite get a grasp when we were on air this morning, from 6 to 9, how bad it was, and I've have since been off here, just been talking to some people and doing some reading, and have had a good look around. I'm, um, yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty terrible about it all, Sethy. It's not good, and I'm feeling for everyone around the country, especially through the Coromandel and East Coast and Hawke's Bay, and then out west of Auckland. It's pretty ugly stuff out there. So not to trivialise it, but I guess what what it means for the racing industry is Toaonga tomorrow has been binned off altogether. Mm. Um, and they're going to be racing on the Cambridge Synthetic on Thursday instead, which is obviously not going to be affected by the weather. You can sit all weather track for these purposes exactly, so good on the racing, uh, thoroughbred racing industry for making sure that they could do that with enough time. So that's what's going on there. Um, and then I guess, In other news, more exciting news, more positive news, did you see Imperatriz's win in the BCD sprint over the weekend, mate?
3: Boy, oh boy, it was like watching Usain Bolt in 100 metres.
0: And she melted them, didn't she? Absolutely.
9: absolutely,
0: Yeah, she's she's melted them and she's rated off the clock, mate. Like, she has actually put up a a time and, like, a hole in the field that has put her in elite company. Like, we're talking elite, elite sprinting company globally, and because of that, Tiako Mark Walker—they're pulling the trigger on her and they're sending her to Melbourne for the new market. So she'll be racing up against and Horse, the defending champ for Little Avondale Stud, of course. Mike Moroney, Pam Girard, um, and probably the, the other best sprinters of the world. I assume the three-year-old in Secret will be there. You have Cool and there, maybe. Um, I don't know where the Nature Strip will be there, but it'll be a superstar field because it is one of the superstar races. And she's getting her cracks. So that's very exciting for Imperatrix.
3: Six dollars, she is. In secret, the favorite at 350 Imperatrix, six dollars for the new market. Louis, thanks very much, buddy, for your update.
2: No worries, staff. Talk to mate.
3: Cheers, buddy. Uh, Love racing, your home of thoroughbred racing is loveracing.nz. We'll come back.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ.
3: TAB time now, download the app, that's where all the live betting and all of the options are and joining us now from the TAB, Brendan Popplewell. the day after Super Bowl, how did that all sweep up for the tab?
14: Yes, good morning Mark, Sally, no more gaps, Stafford, nice to be joining <laughs> you, uh, you really are the UCMZ gap filler. Um <laughs> What have we got for you? Well yeah, there was uh, some interesting bets on the Chiefs actually, there was a couple of heavy bets. We had two $4,000 bets on the Chiefs at 197 and 187, which came through. In the end, it was right down the middle in terms of the head to head market, but the best boosted power play. And I tell you what, I had a lot of friends text me this. Both teams have scored 30 or more at $7.50. That was the most popular one that rolled home for the punters. So, um, yeah, it was a great game to take in. Certainly was. Finish was disappointing uh, for those that don't follow the game. But, um, yeah, overall, it was a really good game. Multis and NBA is what we're really talking about here, Steph. 30 seconds. Atlanta Hawks. Yep, Atlanta Hawks, really well played. I'll tell you the another thing, power play. Every team to score 100 points is at $4. Uh, That's another bet that's been well taken so far uh, if you're looking for the NBA Tuesday power plays.
3: Perfect, Pops. Thanks, buddy. Good stuff. Cheers, Steph. tab.co.nz or download the app. We're copping the weather, but you can sit back and enjoy the American sports along with them. Back after the news. And
1: service needs to help you succeed in your field.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Well, some people say that coast-to-coast athletes are crazy. I've always admired their dedication, the amount of training that must go into it. They're definitely built different and there's been some amazing feats of some of our lesser known world class athletes. It's nothing short of mind blowing and one of those people, he is a multi-sport athlete and coach, Sam Manson. The former Hawke's Bay lad joins us now to talk about competing in and winning. Yes, he won the latest edition of the Coast to Coast race in his 11th attempt with a time of 11 hours 40 minutes and 15 seconds entering an elite class including the likes of Steve Gurney, Richard Usher and Braden Curry. Sam welcome into the show.
15: Hey thank you very much yeah good to good to chat. Um, I've too many people and a Couple of days, a lot of messages, a lot of messages on the phone, but um, otherwise I've been hiding away trying to get some sleep.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: wake up! Wake up, Sam! Yeah, yeah. The, the big question yeah. is what happened in your childhood to make you choose this crazy sport?
15: Oh, I don't know. I don't think uh, my childhood really sort of represented multi sport and endurance racing, but um, you know, I was brought up uh, in small town Wairo. uh parents on a, on, a, on a lifestyle block, you know, it was a, it was a nice place to be. Uh, eventually ended up at uh, boarding school in Napier. And even there, though, in boarding school, I, I didn't do a hell of a lot of sport. Um, eventually got into, like, you know, just the basics, you know, a bit, bit of hockey. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't very, good at, wasn't very good at it. And then uh, maybe a little bit of orienteering because that was kind of fun with some mates. Eventually got into whitewater kayaking, which honestly was probably a big step forward in, in preparing me for multi-sport because whitewater kayaking or the kayaking stage of the coast-to-coast is the most technical Part, or one of the most technical parts of it and, and often what other people struggle with especially if you're new to it so uh, that set me up super well and, and when I got to the, the last year of high school that's when I just sort of heard about these, sort of, this race and heard about adventure racing and, and, and was very interested in it I'm not entirely sure why I guess just the same reason anyone else is interested in it just the, the cool aspect of, of you know this off-road racing and beautiful uh, South Island, Southern Alps and just finding a way to to, to train yourself and to be able to get over this course and, and prove to yourself that you can do it and, and get over this incredibly long distance on such a challenging course. And, but I also just straight away wanted to win it, and I, I can't really explain why, but maybe it was just wanting to see if I could as well and, and wanting to be like people like people like uni and Richard Usher who were the sort of people I was looking to up, up to at the time and, and were at their, their prime
3: a lot of people say there's that saying third time lucky you're 11th time lucky how how did you stay dedicated enough and push on 11 attempts and you got the win why did it happen this time
15: yeah. sorry oh, it's not not quite right it was uh, the ninth ninth time ninth okay. time so it's quite funny all the all the uh, headlines have been saying 11 i'm not sure where that rumor came but it's not it's not far <laughs> off it's, it's pretty much the same isn't it nine or 11 it's you know, saying it's, 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 it's Too many times yeah, I always said I was one and done, so my first one was in 2013 and, and I came into that race uh, after three years of training towards it and, and uh, was hoping to win and I was pretty young and I was 21 years old, and but I just had the mindset uh, of wanting to win and I hadn't raced anyone there before really, or not really, and I hadn't really had a chance to compare myself against any of them, so I, it was very, in some ways, naive because... I didn't really realise, or even, even ignorant, I didn't realise that I was actually that much slower than everyone. Um, <laughs> but I still managed to get ninth, ninth and uh, that was incredible. But I was disappointed still, and, mate, I just I wanted to win, and I wanted to stand by that goal. And I, if I set a goal, I guess I'd like to say that, a, that I want to keep going for that goal until I've achieved it. And sometimes it's, it's important to be able to know your limits and, and stop at some point when you think you've come far enough, but I watch other people do that. Uh, you know, who were coming in the top 10 or the top 5 over the last few years and, and they stop eventually because they've tried so many times and I didn't want to be that guy. I wanted to be the guy that, that actually got there and so just keep coming back, hey, eh? keep coming back and it's a wonderful sport. It's, it's something that's created a lot of opportunities along the way, you know, just becoming this fit uh, and strong at those particular disciplines. It opened doors to adventure racing overseas and that just helped build the foundation of, of being able to maintain and uh, the sport and, and sustain it maybe a, a tiny bit financially, maybe a little bit of prize money, but mostly just because it's so enjoyable, the crowd, the people, the culture of it.
3: Mm. The the cool thing is is most sports are played in a stadium quite manufactured. Your stadium is out in the wilderness, which is fantastic. And I wanted to ask you about your training regime, prepping for something like the coast to coast. Like you can go out on the road and ride a bike. You can run on the road and and run, um, that sort of thing. But how do you train... For running up, is it goat pass and on boulders and things? Like, and I ask that question because we had Mike Dawson in studio a couple of weeks ago, just who just um, conquered the South Pole, and he said he used to go running through the Waitakere's with a tractor tire tied behind him to mimic the sled that he'd have to pull in the South Pole. So, do you have to get funky with your training regimes? How do you do it?
15: Oh, man, I mean, I guess I have been. Pretty funky, I guess, at times. I I, I did my first couple of races uh, when I was living in Auckland. I had a job in Auckland for about four years. And uh, that actually, you know, is quite different to to go past to to the Southern Alps. But, uh, you know, you make it work with it wherever you are. And, of course, try to come down the course and actually see what the course is specifically like. Um, but, you know, Auckland had a, had a few things to go, like, just like Mike mentioned, the Waitakere Range actually is is a pretty tough range and some good trails in there, and if you get in the streams, which I think you're not so much allowed to go into anymore because of the Kauri dieback, but, um, you know, there's, there's rocks. you just got to find rocks. You know there's rocks mm-hmm. in the race, so you've got to go find rocks and spend some time in there and just go find them, and you know, I used to run the North Shore rocks uh, between the beaches. There's plenty of slippery rocks around there. Wangatoto uh, Island, you know, there's rocks around there, and, you know, uh, most towns, they've got rocks, so you just got to go find them, spend some time on them. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, there's plenty of awesome trail running events in New Zealand, so I just clocked all those up, you know, entered every running race on the calendar for a while just to experience different types of trails and, in an enjoyable way, though, around other people. And, and then eventually um, you just start getting up the Topo 50 map and just following some trails in the bushes and just go exploring. That's the kind of cool thing about the sport is you get to see some pretty awesome places in your training. You don't have to go to the same place every time. You can go explore new places and and, and see some pretty cool things in New Zealand.
3: Just over 11 and a half hours in the saddle, in the kayak, on your feet. What's the mental side of the race like? Do you have moments during the race where you're just buried in your thoughts and you have to change your thought patterns to stay on top of things?
15: Always. Yeah, always adjusting things, man. Uh, that that's uh, fortunate for me, is because I've done this so many times, not just coast to coast, but also many other endurance events. Now uh, you've seen it all. Things have gone wrong so many times. Uh, you know, I, by wrong, I guess not not necessarily to the to the ideal plan. Whether it's a mechanical or whether that's physically how you're feeling, um, whether you trip and hurt yourself or drop something, like it might drop some food that's actually really important to maintain, you know, nutritional stability. So yeah, it's all happened, and and so you're prepared for all those situations to a certain extent. And even if I have a situation that I'm not prepared for, mm. um, then you you find a way just to calm yourself down, clear the head, and and figure out a solution. So that's, that's thanks to experience, and uh, some people get that from the get-go, but I think it's it's definitely more common to build that over the, over the years. So, no, I mean, I, I knew that, I would come to the race, I knew that I was going to be behind in the early stages, because I knew those guys were a lot faster over great past. I didn't have a great training block. You know, you always have dreamed your training block, and, and you plan it well, but even your training to the race doesn't necessarily go very smooth. And so I came to the race thinking a bit worried, uh, I'm not going to be as quick. I told my crew I'd be probably be, you know, about fifth place over the run, not, not to worry about it because my plan was to look after myself, not push too hard, eat heaps of food and, and to send it in the second half of the race. And, and thankfully that's exactly what happened. And, and so for me, my, my race plan actually was executed really well and I didn't have too many issues during the day. So I knew that I was going to be a bit slow at the start and then pull it through at the end. I didn't know for sure when I got on that last bike ride whether the legs were going to be there. Quite often you get to that part of the race. So the, the race finishes with a 70 k bike ride across the Canary Plains. And normally that's where uh, the race can be won and lost because it is a long stage. It's it's 70km, generally completely, well, it is completely flat, but generally into a headwind. And so that's where uh, it can be really mentally tough and often you get in there and you might have gone a little bit faster in the day or maybe too fast and your legs just fried. But I hopped on the bike and actually my legs, for whatever reason, uh, were feeling really good. They were feeling great and so I actually finished quite strong, which was hard to do in in a race that long.
3: Out there competing, do you competitors lean on each other for support during the race, or is it dog eat dog out there?
15: I like to lean off each other, eh? just because I know them all, pretty much all of them, and especially the guys I've trained with, and I know them well, and um, you know they're good, they're good blokes. So you know, you want, <laughs> I want everyone to do well. Um, you know, the only person I might not enjoy been around as someone who might have bothered me before the race or maybe not on <laughs> their fair share on the bunch ride. Yeah. Um <laughs> that first date. Um, but other than that, yeah, we got we had a few guys come over from Australia, Alex and Robbie and Tim Boot and it was awesome to have them back because we haven't had any Aussies for a while or, you know, overseas competitors. And genuinely want them to do well. You want to see what these guys can do. You want these guys to push the pace and to, to push the boundaries of <coughs> of Sport and develop improving the sport so I might offer a a tiny bit of advice or a bit of banter along the way because it's a long day you don't want to just be quiet the whole time and even though someone's around you so you you chat here and there Um, but if they want to send it and and do their own thing then that's on them but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll chat a little bit
3: it's a, it's a really physically demanding sport. Now, while you're not getting smashed like rugby and rugby league players, you certainly put your body through the mill. Are you ever 100% fit without niggles?
15: No, no way, man. Yeah. Oh, I've got plenty of bruises today. <laughs> yeah, that goat path is, is tough. Uh, I don't think it's possible to get over that pass without covered in bruises and, and cuts. Uh, the rocks, just because there's so many rocks and you, you are aiming to stand on a rock quite accurately each time but you're doing thousands of steps and it's easy to make a mistake especially when you're crossing a river so you smash your ankles to pieces or you might slip over and smash your shins and your knee. Can, uh, can you, you actually describe,
4: down can you
3: describe Goat Pass because most of us will never go there and you see pictures of it but I feel like through the TV lens we don't understand the aggressive nature of Goat Pass and I'm watching these people, you're using both feet both hands knees you're just it, it looks nuts can you paint a picture for us as you a, approach goat pass and what it's like to go over it as an athlete
15: well the best the best way is you've got to get in there um anyone can go there honestly it's 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 not that hard a place to get to i mean you want to be prepared for the conditions and the weather and all that stuff but uh it's it's rocks you're you're on a riverbed it's uh it's southern alps uh you know, the, off, the, off the hills there, you've got a lot of, of creeks dumping a lot of water and bringing down a lot of, uh, a lot of rocks off the mountains. And so this, this river, you go up a riverbed, and you're going up this riverbed for, for 15, 16 kilometres, <laughs> but the further you get up the riverbed, the bigger the rocks get because that's just the way they are. You know, the further they roll down the hill, the, the smaller they crumble. And if there's been recent flooding, then every rock there is just loose and stacked up. So if there hasn't been rain for a while, you might get lucky, and and uh, the amount of trampers and just you know just time essentially uh, does settle the rocks and make it slight even so slightly easier to, to walk and run over them. But well, because of the way the river works, it, it, it winds, doesn't it? It goes left and right, it's bends everywhere. So it's if you're trying to get a fast time, it's it's often more efficient to to try and hold a nice straight line through there, which means crossing the river at every S, S- bend to save time and often to get under bluffs. So you're crossing the river, I think there's over 20 crossings. And if the river's high, you know, they can be quite deep and quite swift and you can't really see your footsteps in those sections, so you've got to be quite careful. But on, on, on race day, probably running at full speed into the river and you're just jumping and hoping that your foot lands Somewhere that isn't going to break break your ankle, but um, you'd be surprised if you've done it enough times now. It actually works out relatively well. <laughs> I haven't actually broken an ankle yet.
3: How long from but when yeah. you, how long from when you enter Goat Pass to getting out the other end of it? How how long because that must be incredible concentration, as you say, trying to find land every single one of those thousands of steps to flush on a rock or don't know where it's landing. How long are you in that state of physical and mental full on concentration in Goat Pass?
14: Oh, the the whole
15: way. The whole way. Well, uh, I guess not necessarily the whole way because I have uh, lapsed concentration and that's where I trip and fall. So uh, you you better be uh, thinking, concentrating the whole way. If you're not, you should probably stop and have a breather and have a rest because, yeah, if you're not thinking and concentrating the whole way, you'll catch your toe on a rock and that's when you trip and fall and it does hurt. So, yeah, the the whole way. Every every step is technical. Um, There's a couple of sections of boardwalk, I suppose, but even that, I guess you could trip and fall on. So, no, no you, you want to be on your A-game the whole way. It's, uh, so I, I do guided trips for top sport, and so our slightly slower guided trips, we're looking at getting to Goat Pass, which is around 16, 17 Ks into the into the stage, the, the high point, obviously. That takes about you know, four hours to get to. Sure. Um, on race day, it takes me just under two hours, so about an hour and 50. Uh, and then from Goat Pass, you're going over the Alps, over the over the southern Alps to the other side, and you're going down a new riverbed all the way to uh, a place called Klondike, which is where the stage finishes. And of course, that's that follows a river as well as well as a, a uh, bush bush track. And and that section takes another you know another two hours, or uh, I guess if, you, if you're going fast, then you can do it in, in about an hour. It's just over an hour, but you've got to be really sending it. And of course, downhill comes with a few consequences as well.
3: How long's the recovery? Like, um, do you uh, do you feed up or do you have active recovery? What What does this week look like for you?
15: Oh, I oh, definitely haven't done anything for a few days and, and sometimes I've taken a couple of weeks off. I'm not sure if it's the high from the wind, but I don't feel like having too long a break. I'm actually quite keen to get out there again. It's, it's such, I obviously enjoy what I do. I enjoy going for runs. I enjoy going for a bike, especially when you're fit. So... Um, no, I'll, I'll get out and do the odd the fun bike ride and fun, fun, fun jog and pedal. Uh, maybe, maybe tomorrow might be my first bike session. I might just go for a not. not I want not call it a session. I might just go for a cruising mountain bike in the hills with a friend. Have a <laughs> coffee at the end, yeah, all that normal cool stuff that cyclists do.
3: <laughs> Walk into cafes with your with your cleated shoes and your lycra. Love you guys. <laughs>
15: uh, no, I mean I, I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> I mean the thing is. That sort of that sort of culture of cycling it, it, it's cool. Um, I don't I don't do it a lot, um, but you don't really understand it until you're actually in it. So, mm. yeah, yeah, you can't you can't judge this sort of thing. I I, uh, I enjoy all my sports. Cycling is one of the hardest ones to enjoy because of all the roads and the cars, and, yeah. and obviously I'm a, I'm very much a car driver as much as a cyclist. Um, and it's not—it's a sport you really don't understand until you until you do it. And it is awesome. It's just—it uh, is a little bit scary out there on the road.
3: Mm. Hey Sam, massive congratulations! I, I just tipped my hat. You know, nine cracks—you—you you got there, and uh, I can just hear the delight and the satisfaction in your voice. Uh, once again, massive congratulations! It's an incredible race, and um, we wish you well in the future. Enjoy your bike ride tomorrow.
15: Thank you very much, uh, I'm, uh, I'm over the moon I'm super happy to, to finally get there mate and yeah, thanks for having me
3: Brilliant, Sam Manson, he is the elite men's champion 11 hours, 40 minutes and 15 seconds so if there's anything you get out of that it took him 9 years to get that top of the podium never quit, never give up what an inspiration he is Sam Manson, your Coast to Coast champion What's making waves? Let's find out
4: Wowee! wah wow, let's go. Yeah, got a flash new thing to go with the sequence. I segment, like
3: Seth. it, folks.
4: Thanks mate. Thanks uh before we cross back to sort of the reaction to the Super Bowl, the big thing, the big talking point here uh, across the station this morning has been the performance of the uh, White Ferns dismissed all for 67 chasing 133. Uh, against South Africa. Of course, South Africa then wins by 65 runs. Not a great performance, but uh, Ben Sawyer has uh, fronted up post-match. One question uh, on the minds, probably for a lot of people, uh, staff, is the performance of the bats, especially the opening pier. And this is what he had to say.
16: Yeah, look, I, I think, and I said it to the group, I just think we're making some wrong decisions and some wrong options and you know looking at the the two teams that have beat us Australia and South Africa now like their options are a lot different to us they're hitting down the ground strong they're uh, playing square of the wicket strong and, and we're probably going to you know some different options things like reverse sweeps and you know playing across our pads and just stuff like that whereas you know I think the other teams are just playing down the ground and Smart cricket shots, and, and we're probably not just doing that at the moment.
4: So I do find there Ben Sawyer is kind of reflecting the comments that we've heard uh, from some of the listeners that called in earlier staff. Definitely I would believe that as well. They're making some silly shots. I, I've got a lot of respect for Ben Sawyer coming out of that Australian setup. He was the assistant coach to Matthew Mott. That's got to be tough, though, uh, going into that locker room after a loss like that. So uh, when asked how did he address the team following that loss, this is what he had to say.
16: Yeah, it's not easy because, you you know, you you don't want to put the boot in and you've you've got to get up for the next couple of games. But you've also, I think, got to be honest and we speak a lot about caring and I think if you care for someone, you've you got to be upfront and honest with them. So, yeah, look, we all know that it's not good enough and, um, you know, I can guarantee one thing that they're all doing their absolute best, but um, just at the moment not making right decisions under pressure and, and I think that's... You know, one thing, and, and just in tough moments, maybe making some silly choices. So, yeah, we've got to get a bit tougher, if anything. Shot selection. Yeah, me.
4: yeah. Uh, because there are two more matches for them in pool play, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh. Right now, New Zealand, the White Ferns, they are sitting last there in pool one and the, with an atrocious uh, net run rate. But I think they are still of the belief that they can make the semi-finals.
16: Yeah, look, we spoke about that as a group. We can, you know, we can go one or two ways. We can go into our shell, or but the one way to actually get out of this group is to, we're going to have to post a couple of big scores, and we're going to have to knock two teams over pretty cheaply. So that's definitely our aim. We're, we're not going to go into our shell, and you know it's. Not a nice thing to think about, but we'd prefer to lose than you know than than to do that. So we are going to come out really attacking and positive, hopefully. And we've got a couple of days to prepare for that, and we'll have to train that way in the nets. But yeah, there's still a way out of this group if we can be really positive.
4: There's still a way out of this group as long as we can be part of positive. Quote there from uh, Ben Sawyer. It remains to be seen, Steffi, but of course. Super Bowl 57 yesterday, a lot of fun that that was. The big storyline for me was the Kelsey brothers, Jason and Travis. Travis does a lot of heavy lifting on my fantasy football team every year. (laughs) Uh, Huge character of the game, absolutely loved to watch him play, Uh, and this is what he had to say post-match. The greatest
11: ever! The greatest tight end geared what he just said why is it nobody can cover you i haven't figured that out don't they know th- that you're the one he's going to throw
1: to come on baby i got andy Reid and pat mahomes baby things just happened i got a great team we have we had an unbelievable run and man it feels good not man one of y'all said the chiefs were gonna win it and look at us
11: now those those low lines let <laughs> <laughs> I me mean, I- when, at halftime, what did Andy say to the football team? Because the second half, which is kind of historic for this football team, you always seem to make the comeback and win the game. What did he say, if anything? He just told everybody to be yourselves. We were a
1: little un- uncharacteristic in the beginning, um, and everybody had that determination, that look in their eye, coming out here in that second half. They were going to pour everything out on that field, and that's what you saw. You saw everybody pour everything out on that field for the, the second half, and uh, sure enough, that Chiefs came away with a victory, baby.
9: Congratulations. Take hey you enjoy. Very
1: much. Hey Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, you got to fight
9: for your right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a party it would have been. Travis Kelsey, what an absolute character. Of course, he did take a little shot there at the Fox Sports panelists. He did? Yeah, because they were all predicting, predicting that the Eagles would win. So, yeah, great moment there for Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, looking at the rundown now, stumped by Smithy
3: is on now. 0800 I think we're going to play straight off the back of the news. $50 A B bonus bet. And I tell you what, you haven't got Smithy with the, with the gloves on today. You got me and I'm hopeless. So give it a whirl. 0800 We'll
4: play stumped after the news.
9: He
4: is top class at his job. Yeah, Ian Smith is top class at his job, whether it's uh, behind the mic or behind the stumps. You know the line, you know how it goes, but he is uh, tied up looking after things in the Hawks Bay. It sounds like things are pretty bad there. So thinking of uh, everyone that way, Coromandel, anywhere that's been affected by Cyclone Gabriel in New Zealand. But I hope you bounce back, bounce back strong, because uh, we are going to play stumped. For a fifty dollar TAB bonus bet. We've brought in the backup wicketkeeper. the twelfth back- man. Twelfth man, yeah. as I like to say. <laughs> He's had his pads ready to go, his gloves ready to go for a while. Normally he listens into this segment. It's about half an hour before your show starts, usually, mate. And they're always hard questions. I don't do very well in it, so let's see how we go. It's well, see, I think, I because I used to always do the questions, and uh, I think sometimes, yeah, I probably was a bit of a taskmaster, just <laughs> ask Ricardo. Uh, but I've shifted the responsibility over to uh, producer Brian. Nice. And uh, sometimes they're hard, sometimes they're easy, so you just never know what the wicket is going to offer you. Uh, first at the crease, though, Matt, absolute legend, friend of the show, hope he's doing all right, Ed from Tyler Gabay. Bay, come in, mate. Oh, Ed.
9: Hey, everyone. Hey, Steffi. Hey, brother. Oh man, the Uaua was getting killed up there, cuz. Oh, I know. I
3: know. Yeah, my
9: sister's on um, civil defense in Uawa. So um, they measure it on Hickaway,
14: and she says that's right up. That's the most it's ever been in its history. Wow. So yeah,
4: scary stuff. It is, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing there's anyway. a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of cell phone towers uh, going down around that area, around Hawke's Bay as well. So uh, if you can't get through to yeah, your family, everybody. keep trying. Just stay safe, uh, Ed. You know how, how you the looking? you know how the game is played, brother. Uh, the categories to choose from today are Formula One, Super Bowl fifty-seven, and the NHL. Take your pick. <laughs>
16: Ooh, Staffy. Staffy is grimacing. What do you like? It um, Formula One. <laughs> Let's go
4: God I love that If Idaho was here She would be subbing in yeah. To take the Formula 1 question. Yeah. Yeah. Alright first question for you Ed Red Bull Racing will enter a partnership With which engine manufacturer From 2026 You're going to be Ford? That's a couple of chips down to make it right in the slot and away it goes. I can see why I picked Formula 1. Pleased he got that because I wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Second question for you, Ed. Which driver has the most consecutive pole positions in the history of Formula 1?
0: Sebastian Vettel? One of the worst things I
4: have
0: ever seen done ride.
3: on a cricket field Steph Get oh, him, oh, let's go Schumacher
0: one of the worst oh. things I have ever seen Ooh, done on a
9: cricket field him. I live again
4: the, yeah you live again Ed uh, the absolute legend that Michael Schumacher is great guess I was looking for with eight Ayrton Senna oh wow old school oh. Well, I thought, yeah, wow. obviously uh, Sam Hewitt's education of Formula 1 to you hasn't quite rubbed off yet, staff last question for you Ed, $50 TAB bonus, we're for after grabs Who is the most winningest Formula 1 driver in history i.e. which driver has the highest win percentage in their oh. career? Win percentage, not number of wins
16: well
2: I'm still going to go for Lewis Hamilton
0: one of the worst things I have oh. ever seen done on a cricket field
4: I actually know, because I remember last year we did a Mount Rushmore off Formula 1 drivers I think this man was right up there on Smithy's Mount Rushmore okay that may be a hint most wins or best winning percentage I think according to Brian here it's the same thing <laughs> most winningest the okay. winning percentage <sighs> who did he
3: say?
9: Hamilton.
3: Oh, so I can't go him. All right, I'm going to have to go outside the realm and go... It's going to be really old school. Uh... James Hunt.
0: One of the worst things I have ever seen
4: done on a cricket field. Oh, he's got it. He's got it. Wind back the clock. Juan Manuel Fangio. Yes. 46%. Yes. 24 wins in 52 oh no. races.
2: Ed, we're hopeless. Oh, <laughs> mean. <laughs> we're
4: hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that means Let it jackpot.
16: No, I won. Sorry. Oh, you win. Yeah,
4: that's the rules of oh, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I got your back, Ed. You I've got, you got your have back. You to
16: that right, Steph.
4: Oh, I got you. You have to get that
16: right.
3: I got you. Yeah, <laughs> if
4: the wicket keeper whiffs on the uh, third stumping attempt, uh, third umpire always uh, gives I, it to him. Are we back a wee way, just not far enough? Hmm. Oh, okay. Fangio. Wow, I'm
9: going to go find out who that guy is. Whoosh.
3: <laughs> Shot, in. Well done, mate. Well done, Ed. Well done, Logan. Thank
9: you, Brian.
3: Thank you boys, oh fantastic, stumped by pretty much no one, um, I was basically out there with no no gloves, no pad, no idea, that's how it worked with me, so that's stumped by Smithy, so does it go back to 50 again tomorrow Logs, it does, and so the two remaining ones for you to go and do your study on were
4: uh, Super Bowl 57, so if you watched uh, the game yesterday, there's a very good chance that you would have got it right. There is one question there that is quite hard. Uh, the NHL ones... Quite I, hard. Um, no. No, they're, they're actually not. They're not that hard. I would imagine Sam, if Sam Hewitt didn't get these, I'd be... Uh, yeah, but he's an, he's an ice hockey nuffy. Like, all I could do is if you
3: said to me, uh, which town do the Predators come from, I'd probably get those.
4: Name associations, I probably you, do those. And that, do you know the answer to that then? Yes. <laughs> Is that one of the questions? It's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been there, Nashville, a uh, yes. great place. I, I went there for an NHL game actually a uh, few years ago, coming back home uh, via Toronto where, where I proposed to my wife. Long, long story there. Uh, Being val- Valentine's Day? Day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we went to Nashville. I'm a big P.K. Subban fan. He was playing there at the time, and I just always heard that the atmosphere at those games is nuts. I've seen it on TV, and I wanted to witness it for myself. Unreal place. Love the city, love the music, love the food. It's a good time, Staffy. Brilliant. Yes, I want to go to Nashville.
3: I actually talked to Kaylee Bell, who opened for Ed Sheeran last week, and she spends half her time in Nashville and said it's an amazing place to live. Uh, we'll take a, a, a quick break. Had some fantastic text messages on the Temper and Post text machine Remember, Temper and Bear Post range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body even if it's shaped like mine or Arnold Schwarzenegger's. It doesn't matter. You put your head and feet up and me and Arnold will be in the same level of comfort. Zero gravity. I want it. We'll be back with some text messages after this.
2: The voice of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ
11: the
5: world is now is love sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just to love
2: what the world is now
0: is love
3: sweet love. Yes, it needs a lot of love and support. I've just been going through a few of the photos on Instagram and on the websites of the carnage, that is Cyclone Gabriel. If you can help your fellow person, do so, but don't put yourself in danger, please. Um, and that help might be offering a couch, offering a shower and a towel, offering some blankets, some spare clothes, some emotional support. Please do it. It's um, horrific out there. Absolutely horrific. Um, some text messages that have come uh, come through. Uh, attention Staffanator. That's me. David from Blackball, g'day, David. Being constantly hampered by my own inadequacies, I have confused myself with the second league of your multi. If you have a spare minute, could you please repeat? I wrote down PSG for a draw, assuming it's in the French league. It's PSG against um, Bayern um, Munich. Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Thank you, Logan. And it's for a draw. For a draw, three dollars sixty. PSG versus Bayern Munich, which I think's overnight tonight. So there you go, David. Uh, any word on whether the Auckland and Hamilton and the weather in Auckland and Hamilton will affect the Women's World Cup qualifying tournament ferns game starting on Friday? Um, geez, I tell you what, there is a lot of water around. Uh, starting on Friday we're currently at Tuesday they're very good draining grounds I tell you what we need no rain between now and then and I don't see that happening but they will do everything they can Kevin I'm sorry I can't be more exact for you Um, from Graham staff I can't believe they haven't brought in Doug Bracewell into the black caps with his experience and the way he's been performing for the last decade really shows stead has blinkers on sadly cheers from Graham what does Doug Bracewell have to do? He's—it's almost like they need four injuries before they get Dougie involved. But he's a—he's he, a class cricketer. He's world-class cricketer. Uh, Logan, <laughs> I'm still not over Whoppergate. But why? Why? But yesterday I watched a replay to find most of one weren't their frontline players. So
4: explain Whoppergate Logan. Right. So th- this is junior Whoppergate. If the breakers score ninety points, the crowd gets free whoppers from Burger King. Right. They were on eighty eight, ten seconds to go. Alex Bignort, great man that he is, plays for the Nelson Giants, dribbles the ball, mm. winds the clock down. Oh no! Doesn't take a shot. Just sees the clock out. Yeah. Uh, my thought process behind that was, well, you're up by 20, 10 seconds to go. Yeah, just end the game. You don't want to potentially, you know, make a play and, you know, get an injury when you've got a, another game to come on Thursday night in uh, Tasmania. But of course, yeah. Uh, take the shot. Take, <laughs> take the shot and miss. Take the shot. and I'll take, take it from the shot. halfway, sure, maybe, yeah. uh, if there's no one around you. But don't try and hero ball it, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but, yeah, he's sort of questioning there. Sean, the players that were on the court, you're up by 20. And in basketball, they call it – oh, probably in other sports as well – they call it garbage time. That yeah. is when you get your development players, your younger players, some some time to sort of you know, get some action on the court. You had Alex McNaught, Ryan Rupier, the NBL All-Star, Tom Vadanovich. Uh, who is experienced in his own right, but then also Sam Timmins and Daniel Footer, their development players. Great time to get them on. Best time to get them on to give some time. I don't begrudge him not taking that shot. I say take the shot. Take the shot. Give us a burger.
3: Maybe there's no Whopper Junior burgers available to Nelson. He said, no. Anyway... Um, Chris reckons that Jamison's career might be over. He's too tall, bowling such an unwelcoming is such an unwelcoming body movement. But best of luck to him. Yeah, I just feel stress fractures at a young age. It ain't going to get better. Uh, someone says, "What have the selectors got against Lockie Ferguson playing another Test, especially the pink ball?" Again, he breaks down in Test matches. Maybe, maybe that. Uh, Gig loved the interview with Sam Manson, as did a few others. He is a legend, uh, Steve. I absolutely agree. Um, two Ford Trophy matches abandoned and cancelled from Michael word of the day peripatetic particularly relating to a host working different shows peripatetic I've never heard of that but Craig I'm going to go and look it up we'll take a break we'll bring McIver in so I'm doing Smithy's show McIver's doing my show he'll come into the studio where it's about 14 degrees because the air conditioning doesn't know how to turn off but we'll catch up with him after this